Welcome back into the Great Scott Show. ESPN Lafayette, best ticket in sports. Joining me now, friend of the program, friend of mine. Known him for a number of years. He is the editor-in-chief of the Bird Rights. Covering the New Orleans Pelicans for SB Nation. Co-host of the Bird Calls Inno podcast. One of the most optimistic and kind-hearted guys I know. Ali Cassell joins us now to talk a little Pels and Ali. I, I always admire your optimism while having to cover the team that, you know, I openly root for but have followed since they moved from Charlotte years ago. And um, the fact that you're able to remain optimistic through most of those times, I admire. Well, I don't know the last time I talked to you when the Pelicans were on a three-game winning streak, but I dare I say you have legit, legit reason to be optimistic right now. So good morning, and um, how are you feeling about the state of the Pelicans? They're 10 games under five hundred, but seems like they're uh, they're starting to put a few things together as we approach Christmas here. Yeah, good morning, Scott, and thanks for that warm welcome. You're right, it's not easy when you try and look at things through uh, a glass-half-full perspective all the time, um, especially when it comes to the New Orleans Pelicans. As most followers know, they generally end up disappointing uh, folks by failing to meet expectations, failing to meet the playoffs, et cetera, et cetera. But I'll tell you what, this year we we came in the season, and everybody I talked to from the first day of training camp, there was something different about this team, and I started to notice it. And it, genuinely, every single one of these guys on the roster seemingly are friends. That's something I've never really seen before here in New Orleans. And so it was much easier, first of all, to root for them but also one is just to see them succeed for their own uh, individual purposes. And so when they got off that terrible start, you know, it was hard to go in on them because I knew how hard they were working, how they were literally trying to do everything they could to avoid that disastrous result of a first, what was it, month, I believe, or so. And then things, you know, they stayed with it. And you notice that by talking to coaches, the players, et cetera. And these guys never really stopped believing. In years past, I saw quitting this team um, in, in previous, I should say, previous teams. And you just knew that season was lost, derailed. You know, people are out there for individual purposes now and motivations. But like I said, I haven't seen it this year. And now that they're winning, you know, it, it brings not just, you know, joy to my own heart, but and also the players. But you, I feel like we're seeing something that we've been promised a long time ago that there was going to be a culture built here, that there's going to be something that's going to honestly lead to sustainable success. And I know I'm rattling off some of these uh, quotes from David Griffin and such, but that's what it feels like is, is what I'm watching right now. So having won three in a row, four, five, eight of 13, I think is just honestly giving a lot of credence to how far they've come, but also what was possible with this group. And I don't think any of us believe that they were going to be an above 500 team without Zion Williamson. Yet here we are. And really, they just need to go through an adjustment period. And Willie Green said that to us at the start of training camp, and I asked him about it again last night. He prepared us that it's not going to be smooth sailing for the first two months or so. He said, just wait until we get to December. Things are going to start coming together. And sure enough, he's right. Brandon Ingram is now playing at an all-star level, but it's coming from more of a team 
perspective to where he's not going out there playing isolation ball. Then you've got guys filling in their roles beautifully. I mean, Josh Hart, I, enough cannot be said about his improvement. Um, he's having a heck of a breakout year. Can I, can I, can I pat myself it. on the back real quick, Ollie, which isn't something I, I do often. Um, <laughs> but I, I, you know I'm a Josh Hart guy, and last year when Najee Marshall got his extension, a lot. Mo- I feel like most folks that follow the team were saying, oh, well, that's it for Josh Hart. I mean, you can't bring him back. And Najee does a lot of the... Najee, with respect, does not do a lot of the same things Josh Hart does. I didn't think they. I didn't think that he did. <clears throat> and I know the contract Josh signed. Kind of, it almost felt like a, an open relationship kind of contract with the team. Mm-hmm. But I, I think. I think. I think we can. I think it's obvious now the impact that he has on this team, on the floor, uh, off the floor. You you need Josh Hart on this team for a lot of reasons. And I think if they didn't have him. You know, the, the, you wouldn't have optimism on a team that started the season one and twelve, and now has started to climb back and, and is playing better basketball. But just Josh Hart, we know how great Brandon Ingram is, but what does he mean to this team, and where do you think they'd be without him? Yeah, first of all, congratulations on calling that one because I thought Josh Hart was very replaceable, and we thought we saw that hardworking mentality from Najee Marshall. But you're right. We're most of us were wrong. Josh, yeah, I would say both he and Jonas Valanciunas have been the two oh, keys yeah. in you know helping this team, leading this team while they were you know scouring the depths of the you know the bottom of the Western Conference. And their play has always been consistent. Their messaging to the fellow teammates has always been consistent. You've always seen them try and start games with that positive frame of mind. And then they continue throughout and they're, they're both of their consistencies, but you're right, especially Josh Hart, who we've seen here in New Orleans, um, take a step forward. It's just been incredible to see because he, you know, he's entering his prime, but he was always considered just a role player, pretty much maybe a three and D guy. Well, now this year on top of the special rebounding and those one man fast breaks, we're now seeing a heck of a lot of playmaking. He's now added a lot of efficiency to his game. Uh, Scott, to where we didn't see this in last year, and what he did and how he did it is he's now focused on where his strengths are. He's avoiding the three-point ball. He used to all, more than half of his shots every season came from behind the three-point line. But when you're not that good of a three-point shooter, you know you're not going to be the, as and, effective. And, and let me now let me they, ask you this real quick, Ali, about that point. I'm sorry to cut you off, but how much of that do you mm-hmm. think has to do with Willie Green and and, and the coaching that he's getting? Quite a lot. One thing I'm learning is that Willie's approached all these players with an open mind, but he's tried to basically coax out of them that they see it with, them, with their own eyes on what is honestly the best player within them. You know, that's why we're seeing Brandon Ingram completely almost abandon those isolation ball tactics that we saw last year. That's why Josh Hart now is honestly shooting, what, about 20 to 30% of his Shots come from three-point range where, like I said, it was over 50. And now, of course, he's so much more effective. There's not, I don't think there's a better guy on this team that can get the ball to the hoop, right? He, not only can he break down his man, regardless of how many players are standing in front of him, he gets to the rim and he gets those attempts. And if not, he ends up on the free throw line. I mean, that's been instrumental without having Zion Williamson around. So, yeah, like I said, these pieces on this team are really coming together. And you're seeing guys fulfilling their roles better than they ever have in their past. And I think a lot of that credit absolutely has to go to Willie Green. 
ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Holly Cassell, our guest. Brandon Ingram. You mentioned Valanchunas. Herb Jones has just been one of the <clears throat> bright spots. And when the team's losing as much as they were early in the season, and they did have a stretch, Holly, where you know you lose 12 or 13, and, and I'd say for the first half of that stretch, you saw the effort there. And then there was a swoon where it was like, man, like what's happening here? Like they're not even they're not even really out there playing as a team. And I remember Josh Hart kind of called everyone out and it's you're you're 32 games in the season, you're one third through and you've already had sort of a low, an extreme low. And now you're I would say you're above the wire now, right? You're above water. How do they keep this thing trending in the right direction, right? How do they you know, aside from the obvious thing, well, you know, stay healthy and and that, you know, Aside from Zion Williamson, I think with the staff that the, the Pelicans have with Aaron Nelson, they, they've done a good job in that department as of late. So aside from that, what do they need to do to just keep this, the, the, the train, not just on the track, but, but speeding up here? I mean, it's, it sounds funny. A lot of people are laughing about the Pelicans not punting on the season early on. Be, oh, well, you're not going to get in you know, the playoffs. But they, you get 10 teams in there. I mean, as you lose 12 or 13 to start the season, you're only two games back of the 10 seed right now, and you still have a ton of games left. A ton. What, four, uh, 50 games? So there's a lot of basketball left to be played, and I think where they are right now versus where they'll be in February, I'm rambling, but what's the number one key in your mind for them to keep this thing moving in the right direction? Yeah, you took away my easy out because I was going to say availability because it's honestly true. You got to keep your key guys healthy and in games. But since, like I said, you took that one away from me, I think it's just going to be uh, this continued improvement. And it gave, I, I, I've got a lot of confidence in, in that them basically being able to stay the course because you've got, like I said, Brandon Ingram, he's now become undoubtedly the number one the all-star that they needed him to be to act like the cornerstone, uh, giving you not just points, but effective points and playmaking and the defense and the rebounding. Because he didn't get off to the fastest of starts yesterday, Scott, but he attacked the glass, right? And then, of course, he had that flurry, 12 points over the last four minutes of the first half to really spark the Pelicans when it looked like Damian Willard was going to do just that for his team. Um, and then, like I said, Balanchunas, he, he's a dependable number two scorer. He's fallen into his role pretty much since day one. But it's going to be like guys like Nikhil and Devontae Graham who have recently stepped up their play. The Pelicans' guard play has been awful. So, yeah, having all the guys fulfill their roles. But really, honestly, it, it really does come down to the guards. Kyra, get, losing Kyra Lewis for the year is hurt. Thomas Sadaransky has been a shell of himself all season. Garrett Temple hasn't given you anything offensively outside of a few threes. So the Pelicans, you know, you know where the consistency is coming from, but it's not been enough. So as long as these guys continue to keep, you know, basically evolving into their roles, I think they'll be fine. I mean, Willie Green now has seven guys he can rely on every night. That's a lot more than what we've seen previous coaches here in New Orleans be able to have, right, on a given night. So, like I said, they got to stay healthy. I mean, I hate to say it, but they got to stay healthy. And if they do... They're going to stay, stick around because this Western Conference, guys, you mentioned, there's not 10 teams running away with this thing, right? There's, there's, it's, and it's not just the fact that the 10th spot is up for grabs. You look at who's at number six, number seven. These, these are all teams at 500, right? So it's not the most insurmountable challenge for the Pelicans as long as they stay healthy. And if they were to get Zion back, you know, I don't know how you cannot be helpful with this group. 
Ali Cassell of the Bird Rights, our guest. I'm Scott Prather. It's ESPN Lafayette. Zion Williamson, I'm got my my Zion hoodie on this morning. <laughs> Hoping to see him at some point on the floor this year, Ali. There's there's a there's a lot to the story. You know, on one hand, you read what Will Gary, you know, quoted Jackson Hayes of saying, look, I mean, he's taking all this heat. He, no one wants to play more than him. And on the other, you, you hear the reports of, well, he's he hasn't taken rehab as seriously as he should. And he's, you know, he's not serious about his diet. And if he really wanted to play as bad as he says he does, he'd take things more serious. I, I know that when he's on the floor, they're a better team. That's obvious. Um, I mean, the guy was an all-star last year. He's special when he's out there. But it's it's kind of a two-part question for you. One, do you think he plays this season? I mean, I, I, I don't. I mean, I know he's trying. I know he had the, the operation to try to speed up the healing. I don't think we'll see him this season. But I, I asked that to you. And the follow-up is, if if you do see him, do you think he, you know, he returns? Obviously, you know the impact he has on the court. But if the Pels are playing good basketball, you talked about sort of the, the team and the camaraderie and, and the chemistry. You know, how much does that mess with it, right? There's... There's a lot there. I think you, you want Zion to play, but at some point, if he does, I don't know that ideally you want the transition to just be seamless, but I don't, I don't think that's possible, especially when you're deep into a season. Right. So your answer your first question, Scott, is I, I actually do believe that we'll see him. And it's not, not just myself. It's from people that are close to the team, close to him, okay. from uh, doctors who are kind of familiar with what he's going through. And it all points to he's – He's closer than what people think, because when you look at people that have had problems with that that exact bone, that fifth metatarsal in your foot after breaking it, there are always, almost always problems with the healing process. But with some, there, it's such a problem that either they re-break it or there's such a significant setback. With Zion, that's not the case. It literally just hasn't grown to it's fullest potential, right? He didn't suffer a re-break, so he's going to need another surgery. I mean, Kevin Durant had three surgeries back in 2014-15 on the exact same part of his body. And it took them for a while to figure it out. But with Zion, what he had was just a surgery to get it fixed. And now, most most recently, he had a plasma uh, injection into the area just to promote the healing, right? They, they basically shoved a whole additional number of proteins in there to stimulate that growth. And the thought is that's going to help. Uh, we won't know for sure until about, what, another four or five weeks. They do another set of scans, and we uh, hopefully get that confirmation from the doctors. But like I said, everybody who's familiar with this, and by the way, Zion's seeing the best guys in the business regarding this, uh, Dr. Ferkel out there in California. So if anybody's going to get him right, it's this guy. Um, and like I said, so Zion's young. They, they think it's all going to grow back. And he was close, but it kind of just, faded and uh, or I should say the healing kind of slowed down so to speak to your other question um yeah I, you could say there could be problems probably with him coming back because he's not going to jump into a 36 minute role and being the number one guy that's going to take some time and it could be a rough bumpy ride to get there especially with a team that's kind of figured out um what they're doing and individuals having their own roles but I will say, you know, when you've got a guy like Zion, things usually generally fall into place with the number one. And he's, he's not LeBron James. He's not a guy who demands the ball, right? We've seen Zion where he kind of always tries to just fit in, whether it's been his rookie year to last season uh, after he's missed some time. So I think that'll help. But either way, I almost 
don't care if this is a bumpy ride, Scott, because we've got to see the full product, right? We've got to see how these pieces genuinely fit around the guy who's supposed to be the number one. So even if it costs the Pelicans some wins, I, I would hope that most people would be rooting to see Zion get back on the court because that's only going to be to the benefit of, of the future success of this young squad. Ali Cassell, our guest, ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports, Ali. The uh, <clears throat> Pelicans have uh, the magic tomorrow night. And just looking at their schedule, and, and obviously, you know, unfortunately they weren't able to play that game at Philly on Sunday. But at Orlando, at OKC, you have Cleveland, who's playing good ball this year. You're at Milwaukee, uh, Utah, Phoenix, Golden State, all at home. I mean, just kind of going through their schedule the next few weeks. I think they had one of the tougher schedules to begin the season. You look at the the last two thirds of the season, and it's 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 a little lighter, at least in terms of win loss record of the teams they're currently playing. Now, having said that, the Pelicans are a team that's five games under five hundred. When they show up on a team schedule, at least when they're looking at it right now, they're like, "Oh, well, that's a winnable game." So it's not like they're going to be favored in all these games. But in terms of strength of schedule, I ask you before Christmas, Mister Optimism. You know, if, if if let's say let's say Zion, let's let's just say he doesn't come back, or if he does, let's just say he's on that obvious minutes restriction, right? Either way, do, do you feel like his return or lack thereof? How do I word this? Let me rephrase the question: Does a potential Zion return change your opinion as to whether or not the Pelicans can finish the regular season? in ninth or 10th, right? Like, it, it, can they play a postseason game this year? And does the Zion return, if it's if he does return, does your answer change? If he doesn't return, does your answer change to that question? That makes sense. Yeah, so 10 teams get in, at least in the playing tournament. I feel like the Pelicans have a, have a decent chance of making it uh, and when I say decent, I'm, I'm thinking like 25% right now, if Zion was not to return. Because there's still a lot of teams right right there in the mix. And to expect for the Pelicans to stay largely healthy um, while everybody else either kind of flounders above them is hard to believe. Um, even though, like you mentioned, they're just sitting two games out of ten. But like I said, there's a glut of teams right there. And if, imagine them getting healthy. For instance, the Portland squad we played last night didn't have C.J. McCollum. Um, and, and they were missing several other pieces. And that's pretty much the same for a lot of these other teams. It's not just the Pelicans are missing a key guy. But now if Zion was to come back, I think that would dramatically improve the odds because that gives you wiggle room, Scott. The biggest thing with this group all year has been it's such a small margin, right, for them to win games. Brandon Ingram almost has to play well every night. Same thing with Jonas Valanciunas. Then they got to get a third guy, hopefully hitting some outside shots. We've seen that last night, Nikhil, before that was Devontae Graham for a couple of games. They've got, like I said, checklists that they've got to check off. And, and suddenly you don't have Herb Jones for a few games again, or maybe Josh Hart, and then but the shooting goes cold. Well, you see what you're working with. Suddenly you don't have that firepower. So having Zion back would help that tremendously. So even though there'd be some growing pains, I think, you know, by the time it's all said and done, his return would significantly help the Pelicans' chances. And honestly, I would give them – if he if he could return, let's say sometime in the first few weeks of February, I think that that would give them that impetus and, and the ability to climb in the playing tournament to where I'd feel comfortable saying maybe there's about a forty percent chance of them making it, maybe even higher, but it'd be much more realistic. 
ESPN Lafayette. Good stuff from Molly Cassell. Guys, if you're not following, give him a follow. On Twitter, it's O-L-E-H-K-O-S-E-L. Check out thebirdrights.com, the Bird Calls in O podcast, and all of the content Ollie and the crew do over there covering the Pelicans. I appreciate it, man. It's uh, It's been a month or two since I've had you on, but um, Merry Christmas. Happy Holidays. Uh, <laughs> what What is your... Doesn't even have to be Christmas. Let me ask you this, Ali. What is your favorite holiday movie? Holiday movie? Yeah. What's your What's your uh, favorite holiday movie? I, I, I hate to say it. I disagree with Josh Hart. I think that not only Home Alone's a Christmas movie, but I, sure it is. Count me as a diehard guy. I grew up with that first movie, and to me, it's always associated with Christmas in my head. I don't care that there's no happy ending. It's not a wonderful life type of thing going on here, uh, but. Yeah, give me give me Die Hard all day long. Yeah, you got Sheriff of Nottingham getting thrown off a building. You have the doubt in Family Matters, <laughs> you know, wrecking a cop car, and you got Bruce Willis running around like you know with his. He's like a <laughs> Bruce had so many, especially back then. He was just like you know the Eli Manning mouth breathing look. I mean, but like Bruce just did it all the time. He's just always mouth breathing. Try to get a lift in before they'd start filming and run around. I mean, basically, Bruce did if if. if Many of us were as good an actor as him. We probably would have just done the same thing in that role, which he deserves credit for. But uh, John McClane. All right. So you, and yes, of course, Josh. You know, look, Josh Hart loves to – he's good at social media. Like, he knows how to get a reaction. Yeah. And, I mean, he know, look, he's smart. He knows Home Alone is a – of course it's a Christmas movie. I mean, give me a break. Home Alone is a Christmas movie. I mean, only people like Josh Hart and – one of my coworkers, Norman Locke, would suggest it's not a Christmas movie. It literally takes place completely around Christmas. There's a Santa Claus in it. I mean, everything about it. I mean, it's that, and 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 it's it's like I guess a, a, an early prequel to the Saw franchise. So it's those two things together. I mean, what could go wrong? What's wrong with that? Yeah, exactly. Um, but I will say, I, I honestly believe that Josh Hart has the feeling that Christmas it has. You need your snow, and you need some kind of story. And like I said, it's got to be almost a happy ending because he rattled off some movies and, you know, between a white Christmas, it was all stuff from the fifties and sixties. Oh, look. I can't believe he's white got Christmas much is soft classic. And white Christmas is a classic. I mean, you know, it's, it's an old yeah, musical. It's, it's, it's very, it's, I'm not saying that's not a Christmas movie, but come on, man. I mean, it's, let's, <laughs> let's, 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 let's roll with it. All right. Ali Cassell has been our guest. Uh, give him a follow on Twitter. Ali, I appreciate the time, man. Happy holidays. And, We'll, uh, we'll talk to you down the line. Yeah, absolutely, Scott. And the same to you and your family and all your listeners out there. I hope everybody seriously has a good, happy holidays because we've had a rough go of it, what, two and a half, or it almost feels like two and a half years, but coming up on two years with this pandemic. Yeah, man. Be safe and uh, be merry. Appreciate it, brother.